All right, well, good morning, everybody. Hopefully, everybody is doing good today. Everybody good and full? Good Publix fried chicken. Always delivers, right? It's good stuff. Do I have one person that liked the chicken this morning? Two? Three? All right, now we got it. Now it's a hit. Thank y'all for being here this morning. Well, uh, I appreciate uh, your patience this morning. Uh, last week, uh, if you've been with us for a little while, we've been in the book of Matthew, been in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, three chapters, 111 verses. Pause. Testing, testing. Oh, hello. Uh, Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, 111 verses, three chapters. Uh, we started chapter six last week. Just a reminder, evangelistically writing to let the Jewish readers and those of us who would read later that in Matthew's gospel, Jesus was who he said he was. He is who he says he is, mainly being that promised Messiah, right? So at this point, a lot of the readers of Matthew's gospel are starting to have those moments click in their mind because these are people who had long awaited the promised Messiah. In fact, even to the extreme of setting a, a table place for them at the table should Messiah show up and have dinner one night, right? These are devout, devout people searching and longing for. And as often as man's plans go apart from God, their way that they executed the idea of Jesus being the Messiah was not hailing him as such and placing honor on him, but instead placing him on a cross, right? That's how man's intentions sometimes go, right? That God has something better planned, but we go our own way and we mess it up. But I'm so grateful that there was and is and will continue to be that amazing grace that we've all sang about so many times. So even for the readers here that missed plan A, hey, Jesus is the Messiah. He is here. Let's celebrate and honor him now. They messed that up. God is so gracious that he has plan B, C, all the way X, Y, Z, right? Anybody feel like they're on those plans, right? There's grace still, though, for those of us that maybe missed it in the beginning. Because I'm sure we've all had those moments of like, man, if I'd have just given my heart and life to Jesus sooner, right? Or if I had just discovered this way of living sooner and maybe walking instead of in religion in relationship a little deeper, life would have been better. It would have been more His way and not my way. I got good news. There's still grace even for those who miss Jesus as the Messiah, even to the point of not just missing Him. That would have been tragic enough, but missing Him and placing Him uh, on a cross and in a borrowed tomb, but I am grateful the tomb is empty today. So happy Easter in July. You know, we can say that still. The tomb is still empty. Amen. So they missed the point. In Matthew 6, we started it last week, and we talked a lot as we have in the Sermon on the Mount. We will continue to in this doing versus being mindset, right? That this doing is religion and being is relationship. That there really is nothing more for you to do. Everybody look this way. If you are here and you are breathing and you have a pulse, there is nothing more for you to do other than have faith in Christ. The most beautiful words ever spoken in all of human history. It is finished. 
Why do we continue to add as if there's more to do? It is done. The completed work of the cross of grace in Jesus Christ, it is done if we would just choose to believe. So last week in that doing versus being, and it kind of still goes that way this week, and that's primarily a theme in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, uh, he only says it this way six times that I remember, but it's littered through the Sermon on the Mount in the 111 verses of Jesus having a moment where he says, you have heard it said, but I tell you. In other words, you have heard it said in this doing and religion and the law and the keeping of just checking off the box versus I tell you the heart of the matter and relationship and being versus doing. Last week it talked about giving. And we were talking about it primarily in a money sense of remember how the Pharisees and religious leaders, they would make the big show of giving out the same amount as maybe others, but changing it into larger amounts of coins and throwing it into the copper tube and making loud noises and drawing the oohs and ahs and everybody, man, what a good guy, right? What a religious person. And Jesus went to the heart of the matter last week and said that when you give, don't sound the trumpet. Don't let people know, right? If you do, he better be the hero of the story. If you're talking about something that's been done, we want to throw that in there that in Jesus' name, he's the hero of the story. We said it even here, the people that know this story, he is the author of the story. He's the hero of the story. We're the hands and feet of the story. Right? It's not to be seen by man. It's not to be praised. Anybody praises any of us, we place it back where it belongs on God. He is the provider. And that's what he was saying was don't, when you give of your, by the way, not just your money, but your time, talent, and treasure is a beautiful way to say it. Why do you do what you do? Why do you give when you give? Are you giving from a pure heart and led by God and wanting to spread his message? then your reward will be great and you'll be able to lay it back at his feet one day. But if you're seeking approval, if you're seeking to be the hero, if you're seeking to be seen, then in those fleeting moments, that's your reward. That's what you get. Here, gone the next. That's your reward. Oh, he's such a good guy. Is that enough to live for? Oh, there's something deeper, right? That we want to spread something that will last, an eternal message of grace and hope. So any of these things, time, talent, treasure, that is how we want to do. We want to give in such a way that we honor by our giving. Every time that we give of our time to something, our talent, our gifting, or our treasure, our financial things, we want to give from a pure heart in order to spread that gospel. So that's where we're at last week. It takes us into one of the most famous passages in Matthew chapter 6. The Lord's Prayer. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you have it memorized. Maybe you've recited it a million times. But I pray that he speaks even deeper on that this morning. If you'll allow me, I want to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 18 on the Lord's Prayer. And then a little nugget that Jesus gives us on fasting. Can I say this before I read this passage? I want everybody to think in this way. I can't tell you as a pastor, as a minister, as someone... Uh, who's been in some kind of ministry for quite a while now, how many times I have heard fellow believers say these words are something similar. I don't know how to pray. I'm not very good at praying, right? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Well, how about today, not just from a good old boy from McCall, Alabama, that's uh, here for, in front of you this morning, 
But Jesus, God in the flesh, is going to teach us how to pray. I'm going to say in a weird way, Jesus is telling us how he wants us to pray to him, right? He's God in the flesh. Let that roll around in your brain. It's been confusing us for thousands of years and will until we see his face. Father, Son, Spirit. But he's telling us how he would love for us to pray and be in relationship and communion with all uh, of the way he represents himself. All one, but Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. So I want to read this and think, if you're here this morning and have ever in your life said, I just don't really know how to pray or I don't feel comfortable to pray. I don't know what to say or how to act or what to do or I'm embarrassed or I'm nervous. I want you to listen to today, not to my words, but to Jesus. Remember, we said we was going to camp out on the hillside with him as he teaches the Sermon on the Mount. So we're not listening to me. We're listening to the heart of Jesus, our Savior, as if we are sitting on that hillside listening with all of those in attendance. Again, reminder, Jesus is obviously there. His disciples, not just the 12, but his other followers. The skeptics, those wanting to see the show. And also, I can imagine the Pharisees and religious leaders on the outskirts not to agree with him, but to catch him in some kind of blasphemy and uh, forward their plan to head Jesus towards a cross. And so that's the crowd that's there that day. And then most importantly, me and you, we're there. We may not have been there 2,000 years ago, but we're sitting on the hillside today. Will you go with me? Let's try to picture that, the cool breeze on the hillside. And Jesus, God in the flesh, is speaking to our hearts. He is in pursuit of your heart as he shares these words because he's not just teaching us how to pray just for us to enter empty phrases. He says that. He's doing this for communion and relationship that is only possible through him. You've been fighting your life, trying some other way. I got good news. You can quit. You can lay that down. Let's try his way today through grace, compassion, mercy, and forgiveness. How about that? Let's pray and uh, we'll, we'll read this and then we'll pray together. So Jesus comes out of this passage where he's talking about giving. And he's saying, don't do this in public, you know, for people to see. Do it in secret. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. And then he goes into this. He says, and then when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. By the way, I heard a good thing not too long ago on hypocrites. I heard somebody say, I don't go to church because of all the hypocrites. I heard this illustration. It's like saying, I ain't going to go to a restaurant because there's a bunch of hungry people there. That's where we go. That's who we are. We all are hypocrites, starting with your pastor. Hang with me. I will let you down, but Jesus' grace is enough. And so don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. See that theme continuing? Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and their father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. EJ, if you're here still, that we were talking about that this morning. As the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard from their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I want to just stop right there. You're sitting here this morning. I want to offer you some comfort right now that if this is what you need and you just need this, then you can go on and leave. You may be sitting there thinking, man, my needs are so great. Nobody understands. Nobody feels me. Nobody gets me. 
before you ever have the gumption to utter the words Father, He already knows and is already at work. Come on. Amen. Is that right. good? He knows what you need. And not just that and saying, yeah, you do need that. Not a surprise. I, I get it. He's already at work on your behalf. He knows what you need before you ask Him. But He's so gracious that He wants to hear from you anyway. So He says then, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I'm going to repeat that one more time. If you do not forgive others, everybody with me? If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Anybody think that's deep this morning? A little ouch? And when you do fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. There's that theme again, doing versus being. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you fast... Anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We need you. We pray that you speak to hearts louder here than any voice, first off, louder than mine, louder than any voice of shame or accusation or curse, a feeling of I don't belong, I'm not good enough. Jesus, you are bigger than any of these things. Your word says that the name above all names. I used to be so short-sighted in that and think that that was only people that could be named, but your name is greater than cancer. Your name is greater than shame. Your name is greater than accusation. Your name is greater than addiction. Your name is greater than hopelessness. So Jesus, to the name that is above all names, we pray and ask in your name. Amen. Amen. So I want to break down the Lord's Prayer. I know you have heard this before, but before I do, I just want to tell you this. He says, if you are praying to be seen, Jesus again, that is your reward. Doesn't mean that we don't pray in public. We, do, we just did that here. We do that at this place often. But we don't do that to be seen. We don't do that so that when people drive by, like, oh, look how wonderful they are. We pray to point hearts to the Father. We pray to worship. We pray to be thankful. We pray and that God would do a work in this place. It's not to be seen by man. We don't just throw empty phrases around. And if you hear us when we pray, those that have prayed out here, it is not someone that stands on a religious podium and says, Oh, my Father God, how great Thou art, how wonderful and how deep. And we talk like a friend, like a father, and that we are sons and daughters praying. <laughs> Like we have relationship. In the Spirit, we pray and ask, what should I ask for? How should I pray? Those are some of the prayers that are prayed even maybe behind the scenes that you haven't. Jesus, show us what we need to pray. Show us what we need to ask for. Show us how we need to live and how we need to operate. But He says if you're going to be like the hypocrites or the Pharisees, those, again, religious leaders that would 
uh, for last week's terms, take a dollar and change it to a hundred pennies just so they could toss and make such a big scene. And then when they would get done, they would do the same thing with their empty prayers and phrases and try to impress and wow everybody. And the people would say, ooh, and oh, I just can't pray like the Pharisees. Can I tell you the Pharisees' reward? Right there in that moment. But then I can imagine someone like the widow who throws in the widow's mite, the two little copper coins that Jesus says equals a penny. And he tells his disciples, he said, you see that lady right there? She's given more than anybody. And we said in our economy, that's not true, Jesus. The other people at least gave a dollar. They gave a penny. And she gave more heart. Being overdoing relationship over religion. I could see the widow's mite being someone who prays in just a humble fashion created me a clean heart of God. Right? Renew a right spirit in me. I'm not worthy. You see the difference in the two prayers? One feeling as if they are already arrived. The other feeling as if they don't belong. But somehow, by the good graces of God, they know they do. That's the difference between religion and relationship. And so Jesus starts this prayer. And by the way, I want to tell you here today, for those that would say, I don't know how to pray. This is a model prayer. There is absolutely nothing wrong with praying this word for word. You can do that. It, it's a biblical thing. It's a prayer. We've been in groups where we've recited that together. I'll confess, most of the times I recited the Lord's Prayer was in a, a, a locker room. And it would be followed by that, by some kind of just charge to go out and kick somebody's you-know-what. So that's my experience with the Lord's Prayer most of the time. Kind of ironic when you think about it. But that's the settings that that's in, a sporting event. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together, now let's go kill them, right? Like That's the kind of the mindset. But there's nothing wrong in your quiet or even with a group praying this. But I want you to know, Jesus is not being so prescriptive that you have to word for word memorize the Lord's Prayer. Pray that every time you pray. That's the only prayer you can pray. But He is giving us a beautiful model of how we can pray if we are looking for directions on how do I pray? And Jesus has these disciples around and he breaks down this prayer. He said, if you want to know how to pray, let me tell you. Here, when you pray, pray like this. Starts out, our Father. Now I want to tell you here though, I, I say this with great humility and hopeful compassion that you'll be in with me on this. Not everyone here can say, my Father. Now, make no mistakes, you were created by God for relationship, but by faith, you have to bend the knee and accept that invitation. Good news is, the invitation is for all. No matter what you've done, doing, or will do, it is available, and all you have to do is simply bow the knee and say, I'm in with that. I need a Savior. I need the grace of Jesus that was supplied on the cross and is still supplied in my daily life. And by those means only, through Jesus alone, one can say confidently, my father, and him say back, my son, my daughter. That's a good call right there. I pray that you can say that, but if you know him, that's where we start, right? Our father. It is through this promised Messiah that Matthew is telling these people about, that he is telling them he is your father through Jesus, by the way, the one whom you crucify. He says, our Father in heaven. He is with us, right? 
He's with us in spirit, but we know that he resides in heaven. And so we pray to our father, our father who is seated on the throne, our father who is in heaven. Our father, thank you for providing a place should I leave in this time right now. And then one day also making new heavens, new earth, making all things new, making all things right. But now our father is on his throne in heaven. By the way, Jesus seated at the right hand of the father, interceding on your behalf and the Holy Spirit, if you know him, indwelling inside of you. You don't think you got help in this world? Somebody say, man, I don't have any help. You got a creator that created you for relationship, a savior that died for you, and a spirit that indwells you. What else you need? You got the keys to heaven right inside your heart and soul if you know him. If you're sitting here saying, man, I don't feel that, then maybe you need to meet him today. You meet him, then by the end of the day, you say, my father, with confidence. Then you get into the $15 church word, hallowed. That's not a word that we say a whole lot, right? Some translations say holy, bigger name. Hallowed, that is holy, consecrated. You know what the word consecrated means? Set apart. No one like you. So if you're taking notes, here's how we start. Man, Father, I know you're in heaven. I, I thank you for preparing a place for me. I, I worship you in that. And you are holy. You are set apart. I'm taking time right now before I get into my laundry list of questions or concerns or prayer requests i worship you because you are holy you are consecrated you are set apart no one is like you that's the start of the lord's prayer my father in heaven you're holy there's nobody like you the best of the best nobody is like you then he says your kingdom come jesus is speaking to people in the moment that the kingdom has come it's at hand. That's some of the message that John the Baptist was talking about. Preparing the way for the kingdom of God. And then Jesus over and over, even to this point, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, you guys don't even understand what's happening right now. It's changing everything as we speak, as we listen in this moment. And I got good news. The kingdom of God is still at hand and it's still growing. And that is still your mission to add people to the kingdom of God by the grace of of God to let others know that they are invited in no matter what they've done doing or will do your kingdom come ironic that he was speaking to these people as the kingdom of God is at hand in that moment that Jesus is there live and in person on a hill speaking to them again words that we said in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount as if no one has taught this way before people perplexed at how he's teaching in such a profound way and things they had never heard again you've heard it said but I tell you getting to the heart of the issue one of my favorite parts of the prayer one that I need to pray more often it says your will be done and by the way he could have just stopped there and just said your will be done I mean really that's a good prayer right God, I pray for your will. But he takes it a step further and says this, your will be done just as it is in heaven, where you are on the throne, where there's no sin, no evil, no temptation of evil. Everything across the board is God's will. 100% of the time, he gives us free will here on this earth. And we know how we did that from the very first pages of your Bible. We messed it up. We messed it up yesterday, we'll mess it up today, we'll mess it up tomorrow, and there is grace. But His will, as if it is in heaven. So what if I began to pray like this? My Father, 
I know you're in heaven. Thank you for that. Thank you for preparing a place. I worship you. You're holy. You're set apart. Your kingdom come. Let me be about bringing your kingdom to this world today. And oh, by the way, in my starting with me and then in my world around me, let your will be done so perfectly just like it's heaven. Can I just tell you, if you're here this morning, you're struggling with addiction, you're struggling with hopelessness, you're struggling with shame. If you were to begin to pray daily in my life just today, because see, we get that big picture of like, man, I'm going to be sold out for 40 years straight. Some of us can't get 40 minutes. So let's tackle today, today that your will be done so perfectly in my life that it would somehow mirror the perfection of heaven. How would your life look different if you had that mindset? As you wake up, as you walk through your day, as you live, as you interact with others. Hard to pray your will be done just as it is in heaven and hate somebody. Hard to pray your will be done just as in heaven and say, man, I can't stand that dude. I'm going to kill him next time I see him alone. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you got beef out here that you talk about ad nauseum. Can't stand that person. Don't like them. Is that your will be done as it is in heaven? I can tell you this, Jesus operated in the economy when people were nailing spikes into his hand. His chosen response of retaliation was, Father, please don't hold this against them. They don't understand the scope of this. They don't understand that I'm dying for them, that grace is available. That should they finish nailing this and come to the realization as they lift my cross up that I am the Savior, then today if they die, they'd be with me in paradise. That's the good news of the gospel. So don't walk around here like your sin's so special that he can't forgive you. If he can forgive the ones nailing them on a cross, he can forgive you. Even if that's murder, rape, whatever. It's forgiveness. It's available. Your will be done just as it is in heaven. What would it look like here at the church at Southside Gathering if we prayed that every Sunday that we gathered? Can I tell you what wouldn't happen? Somebody wouldn't get pissed off that uh, the food's running a little behind. Somebody would say, man, they, they got an extra box of graham crackers and I didn't get mine. It's not the economy of God. By the way, I want you to know this. We have rules out here set in place to keep it in order. Can everybody look? If you think you're getting away with something, you can't steal what's being freely given. It's grace. Unmerited favor. It's from Him. Father provides out here. So, and you want to get real technical, we've even had things walk off like electronics and stuff for it's been a long time. You steal from me. That's from the Father. And we may have prayed a massive case of diarrhea on you. We've done that before. <laughs> so if you've ever had that churning after you left with something that wasn't yours, that's God talking. It ain't just the Mexican food you ate yesterday, right? But what if we operated in that way? There would be no room for petty disagreements because there's no room for that in the will of God. There's no room for that in the will as perfect as it is in heaven. If we operate in that way, it means everybody that comes through that gate, there ought to be rose petals on the ground. Come on in, man. There's a seat at the table for you. Your sins are forgiven. Somebody come in and say, man, I got track marks in my arm from last night. Man, I'm so glad to tell you about Jesus. There's grace for that. There's a better way. You don't have to block out the pain. There's a guy that will do that for you. Walk with you. That's what it's talking about. Your will be done as it is in heaven. Next, he says this. Give us our daily bread. He's talking about provision here. 
Jesus, I need you for every moment. I need you for everything. Even if I worked hard during the day and earned a paycheck, guess who gave you the ability to work hard? Guess who gave you the want to, the desire? Provided a job. Provided the money that is in the bank account to go and buy groceries and that daily bread. Listen to me. It is not you. I don't care how smart, how talented he calls us and uses us and wants us to work hard and all these things are admirable qualities. But without Jesus, there is no provision. He provides it all. Give us our daily bread. And by the way, that's a great place not just to ask for the daily bread, but to thank Him for the daily bread. Thank you for yesterday's daily bread. Thank you for tomorrow's in advance because I know, Jesus, you ain't let me down. You're going to take care of me. You're going to provide. Give us our daily bread. And I love that He adds the word daily. It's not the weekly bread, the monthly bread, the yearly bread. Every day we ought to be thankful. Thank you, Jesus. By the way, those supplies that's in that black, those black baskets over there, again, not from the church at Southside. That's from the Father. So when you crack those can of Beanie Weenies, I know it don't sound like you can worship when you eat Beanie Weenies, but you can. They're good. I prefer them straight out of the can. My favorite place to eat them in a boat, fishing for bass, but that's me. When you pop that top, thank you for my daily Beanie Weenies. Right? Isn't that a better prayer? Instead of my daily bread, some of us watching the carbs, Beanie Weenies. Thank you. Thank you. Give us our daily bread. The single hardest part of the Lord's Prayer. And I so wish that Jesus would have beautifully stopped when he said, forgive us our debts. Boy, ain't it easy to pray for forgiveness. I pray it all the time. Golly, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this. I should have done that. Jesus, forgive me. But he adds the caveat, as we have forgiven those who have wronged us. We've forgiven our debtors. In fact, I want to go and I want to read this part after. I'll go back here and rewind just a second as he continues the Lord's Prayer. But forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Can I ask you a question? Do you really want to be forgiven by God like you've forgiven others? Some of you got grudges a mile long of people that you meet and gather with as family out here. I've heard it. I've seen it. Seen the arguments. Heard the mumbling under your breath. What if Jesus forgave you just like you're forgiving that person? That's what he's saying here. He's saying, I want you to be so bold that you are living in such a way that if you've every day gotten up and said, man, my father that's in heaven, you're holy. I worship you. You're set apart. Your kingdom come. Your will be done just perfectly as it is in heaven in my life and in the lives around me. Thank you for my daily bread. And by the way, would you forgive me just like I've forgiven those who've wronged me? I don't know that there's many of us that's bold enough to pray like that. We've uttered those words before because it's a memorized Lord prayer. But think about what you're praying. Just like I've forgiven so-and-so, that's how I want you to forgive me. The person you hold the biggest grudge against. Just like I've forgiven them, Jesus, forgive me that way. No, I don't want that. I want the extra portion of grace. So you know what it tells me? That if I want forgiveness like that, I need to start offering forgiveness like that. Come on. Yeah. Anybody got anybody you need to forgive like that this morning? You don't have to wait till the end. Do it right now. In fact, I'll even say this. I'll give you permission. If they're here, 
in a nice way, in a loving way, why don't you pull them to the side and they maybe even ask for forgiveness. Sometimes that's the hardest people to forgive. By the way, some of them may be six feet in the ground and for sure ain't ever going to ask for your forgiveness and you may have to forgive them anyway. But can I tell you this, the power, the freedom, the hope that someone that's six feet in the ground that has wronged you, maybe hurt you, maybe like did physical damage, mental, emotional damage, cursed you, spoke ill against you, and they will never, ever, this side of heaven, be ever able to say, I'm sorry. But you to look at that hollow piece of ground and say, I forgive you completely. I don't even have that in my heart. And just saying that, thinking of that, I feel a weight off my spirit. So it goes for the same with people that we still interact with that may never tell you they're sorry. In fact, when you go to them and tell them, I want to tell you how you've wronged me and I want to offer my forgiveness, they still may not say they're sorry. Are you man or woman enough to say, Jesus has forgiven me of everything. I forgive you in the same manner. It's freedom. By the way, it rids your system of a little poison. If you're carrying that hate, you're carrying that anger, you're carrying that malice, it really honestly is hurting you more than it's helping you. And I promise letting it go, not only spiritual, but physical benefits. Less stress. Giving that over to God. Let Him handle that. I don't have to worry about it anymore. You see that person? Smile and pray. Because can I tell you this? In my experience, it is hard to actively hate somebody you are actively praying for. Pray for them. Pray God's blessing on them. You don't have to hang out. You don't have to be chummy. But pray for them. Pray God to bless them. Pray God to change their heart, change their life. The world would be a better place for it, right? Forgive us as we have forgiven our debtors. And he goes on, says, lead us not into temptation. Anybody ever had to pray that? Oh, man, it's so tempting, right? Whatever that drug or thing of choice is. You know there's a tempter. You know there's an enemy. Jesus Please, lead me away from that. Let me walk so close with you that even when I'm tempted, it leads me away from temptation because I'm so full of you. I'm so full of your will as it is in heaven. I've forgiven others. I'm walking this life. Just don't even lead me that way. I don't even want to be tempted today. Much less I don't want to sin. I don't even want to be tempted. Pray that that's the way that we uh, tackle life. Lead us not into temptation but when temptation comes, when we give in, how about this? Deliver us from evil. He's not only our provider, our creator, he is our deliverer. So again, a great model. I'll break it down in today's English. Number one, father, dad. Jesse and I was talking about this not long ago, how it kind of feels weird for us to pray that word, Abba, like dad. To say that to God. feels like less reverent or something like I don't know there's some hiccup with me but really we ought to be that close I know my kids you know if they call it's like in, in a time of need dad I'll answer anything Keith jerk old man but there's something special about that dad son dad daughter bond right he feels the same so to call him that if we know him first you got to know him through Jesus but father dad Secondly, hallowed, holy, set apart, consecrated, worship in that prayer. How many of you uh, typically pray like this? You start out and you might say, Father, say, Father, 
I'm really struggling with this. I need this, this, and this. I need you to forgive me of this, this, and this. I need you to do this, this, and this. And that's okay. He understands. But you've gotten through the whole thing and you've never told him how good he is. You never said you're set apart. You never said you're holy. You never said I worship you. You never said thank you. You never said provider, deliverer. It's just, you know what we turn him into? Bending machine. If I just say the right words and hit the right thing and sometimes you're like me, that little thing spins and that little candy bar is just sitting right on the side. You got to do a little nudge, a little dance. That's what we enter prayer with God. If I just do the right dance, shake my arm, the cosmic bending machine, maybe he'll listen. Maybe he'll be my genie in a bottle. Maybe he'll grant me my wish. As I'm telling you, miss it if it's, it's so much deeper than that, right? Hallowed, holy, worship, consecrated. Your will in my life and our world. Father, provide for me today. Thank you for providing for me. Forgive me and allow me to forgive others like you forgave me. Deliver me today. Deliver me daily. It's a beautiful way to pray. But here's what I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to look back over the Lord's Prayer this week. And maybe not in a memorized way like you have forever, but let's make it personal again. Let's read each of those statements and say, now what am I really praying? Maybe pray the Lord's Prayer instead of praying it in 10 seconds. Maybe take 10 minutes and just camp out at our Father. And then pray what you want to pray on that. Who is in heaven? Pray on that. Hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Worship Him. Holy. Set apart. Camp out there. Take a longer time to pray through it and make it personal. It's a model. It's not just meant to always be word for word. Jesus is telling us, here's a great way to pray. Here's some great things to cover. Here's some great things to ask for. And I'm just going to throw this out. If he's bold enough to tell us how to pray, I'm going to think that he loves to listen to this kind of prayer. He's telling us, hey, pray this way. He digs it. He likes it. Pray in that way. It'll bring relationship and a deeper understanding. I'll close with this thought because he goes into fasting from here. I won't talk on this long because it kind of piggybacks on last week, what we've talked about through this whole sermon on the Mount. Uh, this doing versus being, religion versus relationship, um, you know, the, the, the works, the hands and feet of something going through the motions versus the heart of the matter. He says this on fasting. If you've ever fasted from food, and by the way, it doesn't have to just be food. It could be fasting from anything. Roger and I are coffee nuts. Jesse... Maybe maybe God calls us, we hope not, but calls us into a season where we give that up and focus on Him in the morning times through that time. Maybe for you it's an activity. Maybe for you it's a TV show that you're into. I don't know what that is. I don't know what activity. I don't know what thing. Pray about it. God, what should I fast from? But here's one thing I do know is that when you do fast, if it's from food, if it's from something else, here's what He's saying. Don't walk around like this. I said, what's wrong? fasting there's your reward that's not meant to be that way it's not meant to be this it's a, it honestly should be this even if we're fasting from the sustenance of food it should be something that brings a smile and joy if we're doing it from the right place that someone instead of saying man what's wrong with you ought to be seeing man what's right with you you're so happy today you're in a good mood what's going on man i in, in my heart i'm thinking 
I'm not going to tell them, but I'm fasting. I'm communion with the Father. It's all about Him today. I'm walking with Him. I'm in step with Him. I'm in unison. I'm living life to the fullest through Him. It ought to be something so contagious. Somebody says, what's going on? Not like, dang, what's wrong with you? Fasting. I've seen people do that. I've seen people go to a restaurant, and, and, and there's a way to do that. I've, I've, if you've been with friends that are fasting or whatever, and they just simply say, man, I'm, I'm just not really that hungry. You can say that. You know what? Well, everyone, I'm going uh, <clears throat> to go to the go to the register. Hello, everybody. I, I will not be eating today, if you'll notice over at my table. I'm not even having water because I am on a spiritual fast. I said once again, I'm on a spiritual fast in case no one noticed that jerk is your reward. But to do it any other way, this is me and you, God. Nobody's got to know. If you're married, yeah, you might want to mention it to your, your spouse and say, hey, listen, just, just so you know, like, don't try to force food on me right now like I'm doing a spiritual thing, whatever. That would be great to walk through that with them. Maybe you could do that together. But don't announce it for the world. Don't put on social media, hey, I'm, I'm fasting from food for three days because I am just so freaking awesome. It's your reward. That's a fleeting reward. I'll remind you of this again from last week and I'll pray. Doing, you get your reward right then. Being, your reward's going to be maybe a little delayed, but the good news is, is it won't be burned up as by fire. It'll be something tangible. I don't know what it'll be, but something tangible that you can lay back at the Father's feet and say, it was all for you. I love you. Thank you. You're my deliverer. You've been my provider. That I can be completely honest and say I don't, but I want to. If you're with me and want to, then the first place to start is to know him as Lord and Savior, to meet him for the first time. If you haven't, today's a wonderful day to do that. If you have, then let's just say this. Our Father in heaven that's holy, thank you. We pray for your kingdom to come, your kingdom to expand, that people would join that kingdom. That in the church at Southside and in our individual lives, that your will would be done just perfectly as it is in heaven. Thank you for the provisions of our daily bread. You would deliver us from temptation, from evil. And then work on our hearts, God, of helping us to forgive others as we've been forgiven. I can say I'm not there and I want to be, but I'm not. I hold grudges. I've got things in my heart. Pray that you just remind me of the goodness of your grace and that I could remember to extend the goodness of that grace to others as best as I humanly can through your spirit. And so, Father, my prayer is that everyone here knows you. If they do, that we're walking with you. And if we're walking, that we would just maybe from today, hearing from you, walk a little closer. We need you, we love you, and we thank you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.